Jeff wanted me to do communion today because uh, we're continuing our emotions series, and today we're talking about anxiety. Now, I would have never been someone that I thought would ever be up here talking about anxiety, uh, but about six months ago, I went to the ER uh, because I thought I was having a heart attack. Um, I wasn't, good news. Um, I just have developed kind of uh, really crazy anxiety and panic attacks. And um, what a crazy world we live in, right? Amen to that. Um, just through the last couple of years of emotional stuff and relational stuff and COVID-19 and um, just a lot of things, I have somewhere along the way... Um, started putting my hopes and fears as a number one priority. And, uh, and they get overwhelming. You know, you carry them in your chest, you carry them in your back, you carry them wherever you may carry them. Um, something I never dealt with, but something that's very real to me. And um, I don't know, it's probably about two months ago, I've been struggling in this cycle of things. And uh, we are actually leading this song that we just sang, Now Here, right? And uh, that day I walked in, and if you guys know Greg Landis, he's here. He's on staff as another one of our worship leaders. And uh, he's just like, are you okay? You just feel off. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm definitely off today. I'm, I'm carrying a lot of junk with me. And he's like, well, I'm praying for you. And he gave me a big hug. And we just kind of got into practice. And uh, in first hour at Wadsworth, we sang, now here. And we got to that bridge. You know, I see joy rising. I see hope calling. See fear hiding, right? See chains falling. And it was just like God broke the shackles <laughs> off of me. Um, and, and Greg noticed it. Like at the after he was just like, How was that? How was that no here for you? Now here for you. And I was like, Man, <laughs> it changed everything, dude. And isn't that the amazing thing about God's truth? About God's word, right? And so often we get trapped in our fears and our doubts and our worries and we carry them like somehow they are the king over us instead of the king that is actually over us, that we all gave our lives to. And we said, you're my king and I'm going to let you carry this. But we love to take that back, don't we? And just um, the thing for me I've been going to a counselor, and the thing for me that my counselor and I have worked with is letting that truth be louder than all those other things. And so, like, I was telling these guys, you know, you, you're in the shower in the morning. And my showers, this might be weird. I don't know. I say this all the time. My showers are like my quiet times with God. It's like I don't got anything else to do. <laughs> you know, so you just got this really nice warm place with this water hitting you, and it feels good, and I listen to music. And so God will just find a way to mix the right song and to shuffle with the right time. And I just like weep <laughs> in the shower. But I'm, I'm weeping because I'm, I'm crying over the things I know and the things that are so true beyond anything else. Things like joy rising and hope calling and fear hiding and chains breaking. Because guys, that is what our God does. And as we come into this time of communion, I know for me, Communion has become especially more meaningful because it is the symbol of God's truth in all these things. The, the bread representing the body and the juice representing the blood 
man, that's the things that, that we hold on to that remind us that God is our truly, God is our king. And that Christ died for these very things that we wrestle with every single day. And I can stand up here and say these things because I get them out of whack all the time. But when I get them in the right order, man, my whole perspective changes. And so I know that every single one of us carries something in here this morning. Something that might be in the back of our minds. Something that might be gnawing on us. And this time we can come and we can do the Lord's Supper. We can drink the juice and eat the bread. Is it time for us to say, God, I remember that you were my king. And just take all this crap away from me. I don't know if I'm allowed to say crap, but I just did. Like take all this junk away from me. And just get rid of it. Take it. And so as you guys take communion, I want you guys to lay whatever it is you need to lay at his feet this morning. Whatever it is that's in the back of that mind of yours, because I know we all have them. And to put it directly into his hands. You guys take communion, take the time you need, and then I will close this in prayer. Father, God, we come before you today just to acknowledge who you are. God, that you are you are a provider, you are a shelter, you are a hiding place. And you are the place we can run when everything else seems to just be going crazy. God, may we dwell on the truths that we sang this morning. Truths about where we are and where we're gathered today and what we're here to do. Truths about the promises that you have made and the promises that you will keep. And the truths about how you can turn the idea of nowhere into you being right here and right now. God, may we realize how when we gather on a Sunday, it is an opportunity to sit in truth and in love, pouring down from your throne. God, may that wash over us. May that open our hearts as we get to hear more of your truth, more of your words from your word. May they change us. May they make us different. And may they pry our fingers off the things that we hold on to so hard. God, we pray all these things in the holy and blessed name of your Son, Jesus Christ.
And it is in him that we do pray. I don't know if you do any reading using Kindle or iBooks, but there's a feature on those programs that allows you to highlight a sentence or a paragraph so you can remember it, come back and look at it again later. What you, it's a really cool thing. What you may not know is they keep track of that. They know what you're highlighting and what means the most to you. In the book, Worry Less, Live More, Robert Morgan talks about the most highlighted passage of Scripture in the Bible. Many of you would think, well, maybe it's John 3.16, maybe it's the 23rd Psalm. No, it's the verse we're highlighting today as we get started. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and seven. Read this with me, please, from the screen. Do not be anxious Isn't it interesting that God's message to a real and relevant culture such as we are in now still applies that he knows that all of us get on the edge most of us get on the edge sometimes and we get carried away thinking about things that we want to change or can't change or what will happen what will not happen and our anxiety level rises when we realize we're not really sure how to handle it that phrase in there that says a peace that passes understanding. Now that in some ways is very challenging to a communicator. All right. Cause what that says to me is there is a peace that can't be communicated. All right. There's a peace that you need to talk about that no one's going to understand. Wow. Talk about a challenge. There's a peace from God that really can't be seen, really can't be understood. But I got to tell you from experience, I've felt that peace. How many of you? And oftentimes when I've seen it in people's lives, I've seen that peace come in a time in the middle of their storm and they really don't understand where it comes from. They really don't understand what it is, but it overwhelms them and gives them a sense of calm. I've especially seen it on people when they're about to die. I, I can't explain it. It's a piece that can't be understood. It's a piece that really can't be fully communicated. But I have seen a presence and a peace and a power come over someone when they're about to take their last breaths that's just so inspiring. Now, when that peace comes over us, do our worries go away? Do our challenges go away? No. But there's a supernatural spirit of God that overtakes us that can't be explained, can't be communicated, and can't be understood. Paul says that in Philippians 4, he says, we need to find that kind of peace in the midst of our, in the midst of our anxiety. I want to talk to you in just a few minutes as we get into this 
about things that produce anxiety inside of us. You're thinking, great, Jeff, I thought you were going to talk about how to get out of anxiety. No, we're not going to hang here long. I don't want this to be the spirit of it, but I think we need to understand where some of this comes from. One category of anxiety we would call the unknown, the unknown. Much of our anxiety revolves around the what if question. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's the future hold? Big questions. Like what if there's another terrorist attack? What if the economy collapses? What if I can't find someone to spend the rest of my life with? What if this marriage really doesn't work? What if I can't find a job? What if you fill in the blank of what your what if is? But it's all those what if questions that cause the anxiety in our hearts to rise. Jesus addressed that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 when he said this, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough what? Trouble of its own. Yeah. But our anxiety comes when we think about what if. Another category is the unlikely. Things that are unlikely to happen that consume our thoughts. We live in a world, for better or worse, we have a 24-hour news cycle. And I don't have my phone up here. I usually don't bring it up here with me. But I don't know if your phone is like mine, if you've got the anxiety feature turned on. What that is is every time something bad in the world happens, it shows boop, 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 boop. You know, this is what's bad in the world today, but have a great day. You know what I mean? Oh, man, you see what happened? See what happened? We're surrounded by information. And that information creates anxiety. Brenna, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, we're watching the news and everything that's happening. We usually always watch Fox News. We're watching Fox News, and they're talking about uh, social media and all kinds of things. And, and she just out of the blue said, I wonder what our world would be like if just for a little while, everyone would shut off social media and shut off the news. Think about it. Ecclesiastes 1.18 addresses it. It says, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases knowledge increases in sorrow. Wow. There's a sense in which more information, especially negative awareness, rises the anxiety in our hearts that was never meant to be there. In fact, there are some news stories that aren't even real that produce anxiety. We know the whole category now of fake news. It really is true. There's a lot of fake news in there, out there. Facebook, we know recently got in trouble for a lot of fake news. Well, I took a little inventory on some fake news things, and just here's, a, here's like three of them that were clicked on millions of times. One of them is, it went like this. Charles Manson is to be released on parole in Johnson City, Tennessee. Now, that's interesting, unless you live in Johnson City, Tennessee, right? All of a sudden, your anxiety level goes up. You start feeling it feeling overwhelmed, and everywhere you look, you think, 
that guy might look at that that guy right there looks a little Charles Mansony. And your anxiety rises as you try to live your life. Another fake news story: weapon-toting clowns go on a murderous rampage. Remember hearing all about the clowns, right? Remember about the clowns? People were anxious about clowns. Weren't allowed. They don't, still don't think you are today. If there's a uh, costume thing at the school, no one's allowed to wear a clown costume. You don't really see many clowns out. A follow-up new fake story to that was Congress passes a law authorizing citizens to legally shoot suspicious clowns. <laughs> right? I don't know if, you, I, if you're like me, but anytime I see a clown that's not in the circus, a little suspicious of that guy, right? But everybody's anxiety, I mean, if a clown walked by right now and looked through the window in here, you guys would do it, start freaking out. Fake news. One more. <laughs> 1.2 million people read this. Elderly woman accused of training her 65 cats to steal from the neighbors is arrested. <laughs> I don't know. You go, mine goes crazy like me. Like you got a stray cat going through your backyard and the uh, TV remote's been missing for a while. I don't know, that neighbor lady and her cat's been up to something. But fake news, it's not even true, and yet our anxiety level rises. One more, the uncontrollable. The uncontrollable. Things that are outside our control. This is the one that gets me the most. Because I am uh, pretty much a control freak. I don't like to be out of control. And therefore, if things are out of my control, my anxiety level rises. Dr. Edward Howell has this equation for anxiety. He says, anxiety takes place when there is a heightened sense of vulnerability and a diminished sense of power. So when you find yourself in a place where you feel vulnerable, that you don't really have much power over something, then the anxiety level rises. You've probably heard about the prayer of serenity. It's been around for a long, long time, but used in recovery for anxiety and other things. It starts like this. Let's read this together. God grant me... This is where oftentimes anxiety and peace get determined. Do I really know the difference between the things I need to accept and the things that need to be addressed in my life? So I feel anxious, maybe about my finances. There are some things about my finances that I can control. There are other things that I can't control. Maybe I feel anxious about my health. There are some things about my health that I can control. There are other things that I can't control. Maybe I feel anxiety over a relationship. But in a relationship, there are some things that you want to control, but you just can't. 
You think if this person would just respond this way or this person would just react this way, then I would have a peace in my life. But you have no control over how that person reacts. And our anxiety starts to blow up. There are so many things that we just don't have control over. The prayer of serenity goes on to say, living one day at a time and enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace and taking as he did, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, but I may be reason, reason that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Wow. It's hard. How do we deal with that? We hear that, but how do we deal with that? Well, Paul goes on to give us some things that we can put into practice. And one of the big ones is that we need to turn to God first and often if we were honest, God's the last place that we turn for our anxiety and for our peace. We're reading an article by Atlantic Magazine. It's called Sur Surviving Anxiety, written by Scott Stausch. He talks about dealing with a lot of anxiety, and he says, here's how I've tried to deal with it. And he gives a list of the ways he's tried. Individual psychotherapy, family therapy, group therapy, cognitive therapy, ex, uh, acceptance, acceptance and commitment therapy, hypnosis, there's this list, all right, meditation, role-playing exposure therapy, massage therapy, self-help books, acupuncture, and he goes on to give medication, a list of medication that he's on or has been on for anxiety. And I can't pronounce all these, but we'll give the best shot. Thorazine, Despermine, Nardil, Buspar, Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, I don't know, Cymbalta, Enderol, Cirax, Centrax, St. John's Work, Ant, Ant, uh, Xanax, Valium, Ativan. He gives a bunch of others, but then he lists beer, wine, gin, bourbon, vodka, scotch, and there's this entire list of alcohol. And then he concludes this article by saying this, and here's what worked, nothing, nothing. And yet God's often the last resort that we turn to. Listen close. No matter where you are on the anxiety spectrum, there is a deeper, deeper level of peace that you can experience by the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. Paul says in Philippians 4, first to pray about everything. Verse 6 says, pray in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he specifically gives two kinds of prayers that I want to talk about, thanksgiving and prayers of petition. Here's why this is important. Because for many of us, we've tried to cast our anxiety on God, and we found ourselves 
in a position where maybe we're praying about our anxiety. We're giving God, God, I'm anxious about this. God, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about this. And we're going all the way through this list talking to God. And if you're like me, you get halfway through the list and you're more anxious than when you started. Right? And we're talking about all these things to God. We get halfway through and say, this isn't helping. I'm feeling worse. I'm more anxious than when I started. There's a certain way to pray here. A certain way. First, it's praying with thanksgiving and gratitude. It's not just telling God about your anxiety. It's praying with thanksgiving and gratitude to begin with. One of the things that anxiety does is it blinds us to blessings. Hear that again. One of the things anxiety does is it blinds us to blessings. It takes away our perspective of gratitude and thanksgiving because we're dwelling on all the things that are wrong in our life. Paul says, pray with thanksgiving. Pay attention to your blessings, what you have to be thankful for. And he models it for us. He's writing this to the Philippians, not from the balcony of an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean. (laughs) He's writing this from prison, chained to a guard, waiting to find out when he's going to be executed. Wow. He says, learn to be thankful, learn to be grateful even when you wish a whole lot of things were different in your life. Then he talks about prayers with petition. And this is where we ask God for help. We ask God to intervene. And the idea here at some point, and if you don't hear anything else I say, I rarely say that, but this is huge. This is where we stop telling God about our anxiety and we start telling our anxiety about God. Right? This is where we stop making the list and telling God about our anxiety and we start shouting at our anxiety about the God we worship and who God is, how big God is, what God can do in our lives. And sometimes this anxiety, this worry inside of us, it's like we talked about last week. Remember last week, the flashing light on the dashboard? Warning, warning, warning. It means there's some area that needs attention in your life. And so you also say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do about this? You don't just tell him all anxiety. You say, God, here it is. Now, what do you want me to do? How should I handle this? How should I give attention to this warning light and what's going on in my life? You know, I've been casting my financial anxiety on you, God, but what do you want me to do? God might say, well, maybe you need to put together a budget. Pay attention to some specific changes that you need to make. Or maybe it's true about your marriage. You say, God, there's a lot going on right now in my marriage. A lot of anxiety. God might say, well, have you been praying with your spouse? Where I know you're focused on some things your spouse needs to do differently, but God through his spirit might say, what do you need to do differently? What about you? God, here's my anxiety. Now, what do you want me to do about it? 
Paul says, pray about everything, and he assures them in verse 19, and God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. God will take care of you. He'll take care of you and whatever it is that you're dealing with. Now, I want to be careful because there are some people who need, in dealing with anxiety, they need professional help. They need to seek professional help, therapy. There are other people that need to take medicines. God put those here for a purpose, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But aside from those, first and foremost is seeking the peace that passes all understanding from God that we have to have. Paul says, first turn to God, pray about everything. Then he challenges us in verse 8 to think about good things. Here's what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and what's the last sentence say? If Paul says, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're having a hard time finding peace, filter your thoughts. Filter your thoughts. What are you thinking about all the time? Are you thinking about whatever's true? Are you thinking about whatever's noble? Are you thinking about what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable? Are you focusing on those things that are excellent and praiseworthy? If you took Psychology 101, then you learned about cognitive psychology that shares what we think about often determines everything in our lives. The mind. The Bible goes to great lengths to talk about what we think about matters. As a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. Be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your minds. And Paul says, look, when you're thinking, make sure you're thinking about these things. These things. And lastly, in verse 9, Paul tells us to live for God in all things. And he connects the peace of God to living God's way. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, he says, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He connects the peace of God with the way we live. Talking about putting into practice God's word, God's way, and then you will experience a deeper, deeper level of God's peace than you ever have. You see the problem in today's world? Everybody thinks they can live however they want, do whatever they want, and then they expect God to give them peace. No, it's backwards. We live God's way. We live to honor God's word, and God gives us his peace. I was intrigued by something I read by the American Heart Association. I put it on your outline. They're talking about how to live with reduced stress. And here's one of the suggestions they made. 
the American Heart Association, all right? Examine your values and live by them. The more your actions reflect your beliefs, the better you'll feel. Hmm. This is huge. If we say we believe in God, if we say we believe that God is in control, if we say we believe that God cares, are we living like that? Do our beliefs match our actions? And one of my big challenges for you is to examine your beliefs this week. Determine what they really are, what you really believe about God's control in your life, what you really be, believe about how God cares about you. And once you get that, then apply it to the way you live. Live what you believe. This morning, we're going to sing one more song. And I just want you to kind of absorb everything we've talked about because this there's a lot of stuff we've shared in the last few minutes. And if you came in here carrying something, I pray that one of your beliefs is that you believe that God can handle anything life throws at you. That you can handle anything by God's spirit and God's power. And as we sing this song, if you believe that, Ask yourself, am I living that way? Am I trusting that way? Father, we thank you so much for the way that you move in our lives. God, the way you care for us. But God, in this world where we have so much coming at us, God, it can be so overwhelming. God, all the what ifs, all the things, God, that are uncontrollable in our life. God, I pray that we would live what we believe. God, I believe everybody in this room believes you're in control. I think most people in this room, God, believe that you love them and you care for them beyond belief. But God, allow us to live that way. Allow us to live what we believe your word says. And God, in that, we will find a peace that passes all understanding that comes only from you. We pray this. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.